Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing today? There's a golden globe in the sky, and the smiles are on everyone's faces this morning. And I just want to bring you greetings from my wonderful man, Jared. He's one of the pastors here, if you're new here today and wondering who I'm talking about. Um, He's in Yuma as we speak. Well, actually, he's probably about an hour outside of Yuma. He is bringing home my national treasure, known as my mom, and and her sister um, from Yuma. And so he'll get here in two days. I will be texting all my family when that happens. I always say, the package has arrived. And they get a kick out of it. But um, that's always an exciting time when mom comes home. So this morning, we're talking about one thing I know for sure about God, and I get to talk about how trustworthy God is. Now, I want to ask you a question just to start off. How many of you would raise your hand and say that you enjoy a good Disney movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, we need to have a movie night for sure. And especially the animated ones. Now, I call these just a good excuse to enjoy a sing-along because they all come with these amazing tunes. And my kids grew up on these, and I have to tell you, this big kid really has always enjoyed them as well. And I just don't even care that my kids are grown. I can go on my own and go to those shows, even though I'm the lone adult with no children um, attending. So now my grandkids are getting old enough to do that. But one of my early favorites, it came out in 1992, was Aladdin. I love the song A Whole New World because I think it's a great perspective on what God is preparing for us. But there is, near the beginning, a scene in the movie where Aladdin and Jasmine are in Aladdin's hideout. And it's this rocky um, enclosure type of thing. And they're there sharing their mutual woes of their life with each other when all of a sudden the guards who've been looking for them come upon them, discover them. And right in that moment... Aladdin jumps to the ledge of the rock. He he reaches out his hand to Jasmine and says, Do you trust me? And in a split second, with only a moment's hesitation, she grabs his hand and together they leap off the rock outcropping into the great unknown as they escape the guards, at least temporarily. Do you trust me? That little question that God asks all of us on many occasions across our life. Now, sometimes we have issues with God because we feel like he let us down. And that leads us to not trust him. But we can also have trust issues with him because people have let us down, right? People close to us. The prom date that cancels on you. I'm looking over here to where the students are, but they'll be here the next service. You know, the prom date that cancels on you, the friend that lies to you about something very near and dear to your heart, the parent who promised to be at your graduation and doesn't show up, the sibling who said and assured you on many occasions that they they were going to behave at your wedding, instead acts out, the spouse who walks out on you, and people who make promises and then they don't come through on them. When others close to us repeatedly break our trust or let us down, it can bleed over into our relationship with God. And we can struggle to trust him too. The ability to trust someone, to know that they'll do what they say 
and that they'll tell the truth is the heart of being a trustworthy person. It is what makes someone trustworthy. Growing up, I had examples on both sides of this equation, as I'm sure many of you did. My mom was and is a trustworthy person who showed up and followed through and has across my life. But my dad lived much of his life in the throes of alcoholism. And so he struggled to show up and follow through on a regular basis. But here's the deal. He had good intentions. He had good intentions, and I knew that. I knew he wanted to be there. He planned to show up, but he got sabotaged very often. The thing is, I knew that God was not responsible for my dad's actions and that my parents were not the perfect mirror for who God is. And this is why the truth is that every person, no matter how wonderful they are, fails us from time to time. And Jesus came into this world, God with skin on, to show us who God is and what he's like all the time, 24-7, forever. And to invite us to entrust our lives to him. And God is the only one in the universe who is trustworthy 24-7, forever, this side of heaven. He is the only one. So today, we want to take a look at the story from Jesus' life that involves his relationship with three siblings whose circumstances didn't make sense to him. They kind of felt like God had let them down, or it seemed that way. And Jesus shows up with four reasons, four reasons that we can answer his question, do you trust me, with a resounding yes. And here's the big idea today. We can trust God because he loves us, because he does what he says. He knows what we need, and he has power over death, which is the worst that life can throw at us. Most of us would agree. One thing I know for sure about God is that he is trustworthy. Our story from Jesus' life is recorded in John, the 11th chapter, and the the heart of the story happens in the first 44 verses. I'm going to recap the story for you without reading it verbatim. Then we'll take a look at some some specific verses out of this passage that highlight what God is wanting to encourage all of us with today, what he's wanting to show each one of us about himself. And here's what I believe as we begin. God has something for you today, and it's very specific to you. He has a way of reading our mail, of knowing exactly what's going on, not just out here, but in here and in here. And I believe that he's going to speak to each one of you for the very reason that One of the things we're looking at today, he knows what we need. He knows what we need, and I'm looking forward to that as he's been speaking to me as well. So the story goes like this. There was a guy named Lazarus, and this all took place just a couple weeks before Jesus goes to the cross. Lazarus has two sisters named Mary and Martha, and Lazarus got really sick. And this family lived in Bethany, which was just a, a couple miles outside of Jerusalem, and they were really close friends of Jesus. So when Lazarus got sick, Martha and Mary wasted no time sending a message to Jesus saying, the one you love is really sick. They were expecting him to come and heal him as they'd seen him do for many others. But when Jesus got the message, 
Instead of going straight to Bethany from his ministry outpost about 20 miles away, he stayed where he was. But not before he announced to those around him that Lazarus' sickness was not going to end in death, that it was going to bring glory to God. Well, finally, when he gets around to leaving for Bethany, the disciples are not real keen on the idea because their last visit to the region, it didn't go so well for Jesus. In fact, he barely escaped with his life as they attempted to stone him. Well, Jesus was unmoved by this concern for his life, and he told them, Lazarus is dead, but not to worry because I'm going to bring him back to life. Well, the disciples, unconvinced about Jesus' safety, even with his reassurances about what he was going to do, decided to go with him, even though they were pretty sure it meant they were going to be dying with him. Now, when Jesus got there, Lazarus had already been dead for four whole days. Martha got word of his arrival from some of the other mourners, and so she went out to meet him, but Mary, she stayed home. Martha expressed her regret to Jesus that he hadn't been there, because if he would, it would have been a different outcome. So Jesus stops in that moment and lets her know it's not too late. And he reminds her of who he is. But not sure of what's going to happen. She goes back and gets Mary because she doesn't want Mary to miss out on this. And Mary quickly comes out to Jesus and she falls at his feet. And we imply from what he writes later that she was weeping as she did that. And her words were just like her sister Martha's. If only you had been here, Jesus, things would be different. Now, when Jesus saw her weeping and he saw all the family, friends, and mourners around weeping, he was overcome with emotion and he burst into tears himself. Jesus, knowing what's about to happen, though, asks them to take away the stone, to which Martha protests that that Lazarus has been there four days and it's going to be pretty smelly now. But Jesus reminds them again of what he plans to do. And so he gives thanks to the Father, and then he speaks out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And out he walks with the grave clothes still on him. Wow. What a turn of events. Can you imagine a day like that? Your sibling in the casket being lowered into the ground, and Jesus shows up. They dig it up again. They pull the casket up. And he says, come out. And your sibling gets up out of that casket. Now, frankly, we don't have grave clothes, right? You usually dress them in something kind of cool. But that's an amazing moment. Imagine this. Jesus gives us four reasons that we can trust God. And there's many more, but in this story, we see four reasons to trust God when life doesn't make sense. The first is this. We can trust God because he loves us. Now, Lazarus' sisters knew that their brother was loved by Jesus. And in verse 3, they said it this way. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And this, the one you love term for their brother Lazarus. This was reserved for Jesus' intimate friends. It indicated a very close relationship. But this was also a love that carried expectations. Ever been there? Yeah. They, about what Jesus was going to do for them. This wasn't just, here's an update on our brother, Jesus. This was implied and inferred, a request for help. 
And Jesus, for his part, also affirms his love for them. In verse 5, when it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. These are good friends. Good friends that he had spent time with when he came to Jerusalem. This is not, though, a Jesus playing favorites kind of story. Is I do this for my close friends, but not for those on the outskirts. This is Jesus affirming what is true for all of us. You see, if you will, Jesus has put out a request on Facebook to every person on planet Earth, past, present, and future, a friend request. And it is up to each one of us to confirm it, to say, I want that. I want that. And this is something that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus had done. But that friendship and that love is for everyone. It's for all of us today. And even when the mourners witnessed Jesus' tears close to the tomb there, just before he brought Lazarus back from the dead, he said, they said, see how he loved him? And that is really a moment where we need to see ourselves in the story. That Jesus would look upon you and others could say, see how he loved you? See how he loved Lisa? See how he loved Mark and Diane? See how he loved Cordell? See how he loved Marcia? See how he loved Ed? See how he loves Lucas? See how he loves Bruce? And the list could go on. You're in this story. He loves you today. We can trust God because of his great love for us. 1 John 3, 1. John wrote it this way. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. In Romans 8.38, Paul writes, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And in Romans 5.8, Paul writes, But God demonstrated his great love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This Jesus who was standing here in front of this tomb, he came with skin on, God come in flesh, human, mortal, killable, all because he loves us. This love is the bedrock of our trust in him. If you know this, you can trust him. Derek Redman was a runner in the 400-meter race and at the Olympics. It was the semifinal in the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. And partway through the race, he felt a pop, heard it actually, and then felt it. And he knew that his hamstring had torn. He dropped to the track. But then in a moment, remembering where he was, he was in the Olympics for goodness sakes. He realized, no, I need to get back up. And he started hobbling down the track, hopping his way. Well, as soon as he'd fallen to the track, A man was making his way through the stands. He was clearing the crowds. They have video of it, spreading people apart, pushing away the guards who were trying to keep him from going on the field. And he goes on the field, and the security men on the field are trying to run after him. They don't know who this guy is. 
And Derek hears this voice behind him. Derek, it's me. As soon as he heard it, he knew who it was. It was his dad. The dad who had stood by him practice after practice in those winter workouts with a cup of coffee in his hand, yelling words of encouragement. This dad, and when his dad came up behind him and wrapped his arm around him and gave him support, his mind was flooded. He said, I lost my composure in that moment. He said, I started thinking about why me and, you know, I was doing so well and just thinking about this failure to make it through this race. But his dad was there with his arm around him. And together, he said, just keep me in lane five, dad. And his dad helped him go all the way to the finish line, warding off all the security and saying in his ear, you can do this, son. You can come back. It's going to be okay. I'm proud of you. We have a father who loves us just like that. And when life doesn't make sense, when you feel like it hasn't been fair, when the bottom seems to have fallen out for you, he is near. He is near to help us. And we can trust God because he loves us. And second, we can trust God because he does what he says. Four days later, Jesus shows up. Now, I'm thinking like a sister, and I love my brother. And if this had happened to my brother, I'd be so ticked. And I think they were just a little bit, because, I mean, this is their friend. Why hadn't he shown up? Here's the deal. Everyone was thinking and saying the same thing. Literally, Martha, Mary, and the crowd uttered this at one time or another. If only you had been here, Jesus. If only you had been here. Lazarus would have been buried the same day he died, because that was Jewish custom in the first century. As soon as death was certain, they would have shut the eyelids, they would have washed the body, they would have placed him in the grave clothes and then bound him in strips of cloth. And then he would have been carried by family members and placed in this tomb that was more like a cave with a rock in front of the entrance. You see, everybody thought this story is over. The final page has already been written. Everybody except for one, Jesus From the very onset, he knew what was going to happen and told his disciples. He had a different outcome in view than everyone else. Look at these verses with me. In verse 4, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory, that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, after he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Okay, parenthetical statement. The disciples don't get this. They give me such heart. I mean, there's hope for me with their cluelessness, okay? Uh, Because they're clueless through most of the three years with Jesus about so many things. But he still loves them and kept them, you know, and that's what he does with me. So the disciples didn't get it, so Jesus decides, i got to spell it out for these boys. They do not get the metaphors here. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So here's what Jesus knew. Jesus knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew that God was going to glorify himself by glorifying his son. And as a result, a whole bunch of people were going to believe in him even before his death and resurrection, including some bozos. No, that is my translation, okay? But that's what Jesus knew he was going to do. But what did the disciples see in this situation? Well, in verse 16, it says, Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, 
you may know him as Doubting Thomas, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. I mentioned this earlier. You see, Thomas represents what we see when things don't make sense. What people aren't up on, they're down on. The assessment is, if Jesus gets anywhere near Jerusalem, he's toast and we are too. But in a noble and really genuine gesture, Thomas is saying, let's go and die with him. The thing is, when it seems like God has not shown up in the way that we thought he would or the way we thought he should have, we have a decision to make. You see, we are like then Jasmine receiving God's hand where he asks us that question. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? That's the question. At the Catalyst Conference a couple of years ago, we got to hear a a speaker, Levi Lusk, and only two years before, he and his family had suffered an unthinkable incident. One evening, he and his wife arrived home. It was just before Christmas. They'd been out shopping, and they found their daughter, Lenya, having an asthma attack, and Grandma was furiously trying to help her. They jumped into action, trying to revive her and get her breathing, and the EMTs arrived, and they worked on her all the way to the ER. But all the while, Chip and Jenny are praying for a miracle. They're praying for a Lazarus moment. But Lenya didn't come back to life. She died that night in the ER. And he writes some reflections on these happenings, on this tragic death in his book, The Eyes of a Lion. He said, I'll never walk her down the aisle. She'll never have a baby. She only lost one tooth. She will never read a chapter book. My heart is shattered in a thousand pieces, each shard jagged and razor sharp. The pain is unreal, deafening, and catastrophic. My eyes burn and I want to cry, but the tears won't come. I want to scream, but it won't help. I'm afraid, but I'm not alone. This is war. And then he goes on to write, every moment of every day, we must make the all-important choice of whether we will rely on the naked eye, what we can see, or will we trust what God says the outcome will be. When Jesus is at the tomb and wants them to remove the stone, and Martha says, oh, wait, that's going to be a smelly body. Martha was relying on the naked eye, the facts as they presented themselves in the physical world. But he reminds her of his earlier words. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? You see, Jesus always has the big picture, and he will do what he says. But the real question for us is, will we trust what we see, or will we trust what God says the outcome will be? Corey Tamboom, who is a survivor of the Holocaust and wrote so many amazing things, such a wonderful follower of Jesus. But she said, never be afraid to trust the unknown future to a known God. And this is why Jesus came here and did this miracle with Lazarus. He wanted us to see who he's like, what he's like. He wanted to bash the enemy's lies that come to us. That God can't be counted on. 
that he doesn't come through. That what you dream of won't happen. We can trust God because he loves us and because he does what he says. We just want to be able to say, yes, I will trust what you see, not what my naked eye sees. And that brings us to the third reason we can trust God today. We can trust God because he knows what we need. Both Martha and Mary had the same response when Jesus comes to them. But Jesus responded very differently to the two women. And this gives us hope because each of us is unique. And we have our stories and he finds us in our hard places and in our places where life doesn't make sense. And we don't all need the same thing. And he is a God who sees what we need and he meets us there. So let's look at what Martha needed. Verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again at the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will never die, will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Martha was reminded of the truth, of who Jesus is, and she had the opportunity to answer his question, do you trust me? And she answered with a resounding yes. Verse 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, they replied. Jesus wept. Okay, that's that Bible memory verse we can all do, right? (laughs) Two words. (laughs) We need a little, if you need to feel good about yourself one day, just pull that one out of there. But with Mary, Jesus expressed his humanity. God with skin on, deeply moved and troubled were words used to describe Jesus' emotion. It meant that he was angry and agitated over the death of this friend and this brother to these sisters. And he was overcome with emotion to the point that, as the Williams translation puts it, Jesus burst into tears. It wasn't a little tear trickling down the cheek. He was fully in the moment feeling what this family and these mourners were feeling. And that's what he does for us. But here's the deal. Martha got the truth and Mary got the tears. They each needed something different. You see, Jesus is the lion, the one who commands and is strong. And he is the lamb, the one who is humble and vulnerable. And he can be what we need. Everything in between. He knows what each of us needs to trust him more in our situation. So a lot of you know that we've been planning to launch E2 for um, about 20 months. And we've had two launch dates, and they've both come and gone. And we haven't found a place to meet yet. And so we were wondering, what's going on? This doesn't make sense. We were looking at it with the naked eye, right? What's up here? And so we had to ask God that. And that's when Jesus asked me, do you trust me? Do you trust me, Anne? And he reminded me of what he had said to me at the start of the E2 adventure, that he was at work in the journey toward launch, not just the launch, 
that the process was as important to him as the destination. And he reminded me of Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. And he said, remember, Anne, I told you this was not an Anne can adventure. Okay, my slogan in high school, Anne can and will. Okay, and gets in the way with Jesus sometimes. Okay, he said, no, this is a God can. This is an only God adventure. And you're going to see that. I will provide. Now, this is just what I needed to hear. I needed some good truth. I needed to hear his word to me. I didn't need any sobbing or tears at that moment. I just needed him to reaffirm what he said he wanted to do. Then I said, but what about the launch team? What about them and their trust and their faith? And he said, well, each one of them needs to have their own experience with me. They need to hear for themselves from me. That I can give them what they need to keep going. And that's what we did in February as we met together. We just prayed and worshiped. That's all we did. And at the end of that, people shared what God had spoken to them. And it was a symphony of faith and trust. One woman saw a picture of a door with a hand on the doorknob turning it, and the door was already opening. And it was, God is going to open the door. Another person had uh, onward Christian soldiers. That's an old hymn, right? But it was really a word about keep on going. I'm in this thing. You know, don't falter now. But each one heard what he or she needed. And then we went back to our search for a place which we're going to take a tour this Tuesday, and you guys can pray about that if you, if you remember. But you see, we can trust God because he loves us, he does what he says, and he knows what we need. And that brings us to number four. We can trust God because he has power over death itself, which is the worst that life can throw at us. And in verse 38, it says this, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor. He's been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Now here's the deal. This, these words they use that they translated for us deeply moved in verse 38. They don't really do justice to what was going on for Jesus in this moment. Deeply moved. It really refers to a word that was used of a horse that would be snorting in anger. Any equestrian people here? I know that we have some wonderful um, horse women here. I don't know if we have any guys that are into it. But a horse that's angry. It also meant to bellow with anger. And Jesus is actually roaring with anger inside. What's he angry about? Is he mad at the family? No. He is raging against death. He is raging at what the enemy of our soul extracts from us in his mission to still kill and destroy in our lives. He is angry about sin and all its consequences, including death, for his friends and for all of us who he is about to give his life for. Because this is the deal. Jesus knew that raising Lazarus from the dead was going to set off the religious leaders. And they would begin to plan to kill him, which is exactly what happened if you read the rest of John chapter 11. 
some of the mourners went back to Jerusalem, told the chief priests and Pharisees about the raising of Lazarus, and they said, this guy, we can't get rid of him. We're going to have to do it ourselves. And they started to plot his arrest and his death. He knew, Jesus did, that the only way to raise Lazarus was to put himself in the grave. He knew when he went there and did that, that this is what was going to happen. He knew the only way to interrupt this family's funeral was to set in motion his own funeral. But this did not stop him from crying, Lazarus, come out. Why? Because he loves us. Because he does what he says he will do. Because he knows what we need. And because he has the power over death, which is the very worst that life can throw at us. You can trust the one who put himself in the grave for us. Tim Hansel shares a story with his son. This is a story that we've all encountered. Have you ever tossed your kids or put them on a ledge and let them jump to you? Many of us have had that experience. And he shares this story about his son, Zach, in his book, Holy Sweat. He said they were climbing some cliffs, and he heard his son yell, Dad, catch me. And he turned just in time to reach his arms up and catch his son. And they both fell to the ground. The wind was knocked out of him. He had to collect himself. But as soon as he caught his breath, he yelled at his son, What in the world were you thinking of, Zach? And Zach said, You're my dad. You're my dad. We have a father who will catch us. We have a father who will catch us. Where do you need God to catch you today? He has only one question for us today. We're going to worship some more and we're going to take communion. It'll be your time to interact with him. He has only one question. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? Will you trust me? Will you trust me? That's what he's asking every single one of us. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we ask for grace to trust you more. Would you help us to trust you when we feel like the bottom's fallen out of our life, when things haven't seemed to come through the way we thought they should have or could have? Would you help us to be able to answer with a resounding yes? Would you help every person here to know that they're loved? Would you help us to know, Lord, that you will do what you say and that you know what we need and that you have power over the worst thing we could possibly face, which is death itself, so we can trust you even in that. We love you, Jesus.